All right. Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, still 1,000 degrees time. We'd like a little rain time if that's okay. Everyone have a good open date time? Hope you did, whatever time of day it is. It's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker, Patrick Brown, Ryan Callahan coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio on a Monday afternoon. So happy Monday afternoon, everybody, or Monday evening, Tuesday morning, Tuesday afternoon. You get the point. Whatever time of day it is, as we say, it's the right time for this podcast. And the reason that we're doing this on a Monday afternoon and not a a Monday morning is is pretty simple, guys. Uh, Tennessee was off over the weekend. Georgia also was off over the weekend. Both had open dates um, that, that Georgia probably appreciated after the Notre Dame game and Tennessee needed just for, for life in general. Yeah, good news for Tennessee fans. They didn't lose this weekend. So so we wanted to, yeah, they, they whooped they whooped by right in the backside. Can we say the A word on this podcast? I don't know. Where does the A word fall under clean or not clean episode? Because it's just, you know, it's a word. It's not like it's an F word or anything. Yeah, I... Uh... I would think it might be in that gray area, but I'll let you be the first one to test the electric fence. Okay, fine. They whooped Bai's ass. How about that? Bai took an ass beating this week. Yeah, they did. They sure did. They sure did. And uh, Tennessee needed that. We'll talk more about that in the final segment. Of if you have any today's. complaints about our language usage, you can leave a thre- leave a comment on the thread. Yeah, please do. Uh, if you are on GoBall247.com. If, if, if you want more profanity, you can also request that as well, and we'll see what we can do. That's true. We can we can we can we can we can bleep and try to to make some bleep happen for you. This season might demand it. By, That's by the time it's very over. true. We might have to remove all the cuss filters at some point. Be like, ah, oh, you can just say whatever you want now. Things have gotten bad enough where no, it's it, it's okay. But Tennessee uh, and Georgia were both off this weekend, so we knew that both coaches were going to speak to reporters uh, Monday around lunchtime. So so we decided to to push this back a few hours and to to have some fresher news for everyone. And uh, some interesting things I thought did emerge from Jeremy Pruitt's Monday availability. He always speaks to us on Mondays around noon Eastern at the uh, the digital studio there on campus. And he said today one of the most interesting one of the most interesting things I thought Jeremy Pruitt said was that they are not going to uh, talk about their quarterback plans at all. Which, as Pat said a moment ago, I'm not sure Georgia's losing Take much that, sleep. Bulldogs. I don't think they're losing much sleep over it. Uh, but but do you think that's the right thing to do at this point? Just any advantage you can possibly have, you just keep everything quiet, or does it matter? Uh, I don't know that it matters, but I mean, I'm not surprised that he's like basically like we're not going to tell Georgia what we're doing. I mean, uh, would anybody expect him to say anything differently? We're going to run a two trap on the first play. All right, then we're going to run then an inside zone. Going to set that up for a third and short play action deep shot. I mean, we joke about it being you know. A, it's like looking for an advantage, but there's probably not going to be an advantage because Georgia has such a, I think, a big edge in this game. But, I mean, I, coaches are going to do what they do. Yeah, and, and I, I think it's 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 interesting because, you know, this is a guy who did not want to say going into the first game which coaches were going to be in the booth and which ones were going to be on the field. Which Yeah, if you're not discussing that, you're not talking quarterbacks. I, so. I, I don't think it's much of a secret that, that I, I do uh, get along okay with Jeremy Pruitt. I think there's a pretty decent understanding there. Uh, he understands what we're trying to do most of the time, and I, I respect that he's fairly candid with us. But I'm going to laugh about that one until I die, probably. That one was... <laughs> <laughs> that was nowhere near like a butch level. What the hell was that? But him saying that he did not want to say who was going to be in the booth was was up there for me. But what he didn't want to talk about on Monday was, in my opinion, much more understandable. What he said basically was that they don't have any intention of giving Georgia anything this week, especially something as important as who is going to be the quarterback. What we're going to do for this segment, I think if I'm not mistaken, we're going to, we're going to do some role playing. So yeah. it's going to get, it's going to get kinky. Yeah. All, all three of us, man, uh, we're testing all sorts yeah, of the, boundaries. The, on the, this, the, the, this is the BDSM uh, version of the, <laughs> of the go Vols 24 seven podcast brought to you by uh, whatever sponsors have decided they're not going to be around anymore because of our filthiness. But we all, I think gentlemen, all three of us believe that Tennessee probably should keep starting Garantano. Right. I think we might have some differences on, on who 
whether this should be a platoon or not, but I am I accurate in saying before we do this hypothetical debate that all three of us probably think Garantano will and should start? I, I think so. I don't think it's time to just completely turn over the season to the freshmen because, honestly, I don't think we've seen enough from the freshmen to say that their season gets appreciably better if you turn it over to one of those guys or both. So, yeah, I'm not there yet. I, I think that time could be nearing, but I don't think... I think Garantano's earned a longer leash than this, and I don't think the freshmen have shown anything to to make you say, you know what, let's go ahead and, and turn over to those guys. Um, I, I think that he will start. Uh, I'm conflicted on if he should, though. I, I don't. I don't. He. I don't. I don't want to say he's a lost cause, but I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna go out there and, and you're gonna get those the, the mistakes that he's been making, then why not just live with the freshman, see what he can do, yeah, see if he ignites a spark for a game or two, or just takes off. There have to be consequences for making some of the cataclysmic mistakes that, that he's yes. made um, because you're trying to build a culture where you're competitive. And so if you you can make the argument that if you don't bench him, what are you saying to a linebacker who goes out there and misses five tackles in a game? Well, he's still the best guy, so he's probably still going to start. You have to have that sort of competitive edge to your program. That's one hand. On the other hand, if you think he gives you the best chance to win games uh, – I think most of the players on the team will understand that. Not positive, but I think they will. Uh, regardless, here's what we're going to do. We're taking – there's three sides to this debate, more or less. One is Garantano's still your guy, and he's going to be your guy, and he should be your guy going forward, and that's that. Uh, number two is that Garantano starts, but that you mix Maurer into the rotation, which is what I actually actually believe, but I'm not taking that side in this argument. This is hypothetical here. The third one – is that you say screw it and you turn it over to the kids. Some combination of those freshmen, whether you just give it to Maurer, whether you give Maurer and Shrout alternate alternate possessions depending on how things are going, ride the hot hand. Those are probably the three options, right, as far as we know, because Kasim Hill can't play until next season. So these are the options. Yes, those those are the three stances that each of us will take. And have we decided who will take all three of those stances? I think you are taking the... Yes. You're taking the play guarantee I'll screw everybody else. Yep, I'm the one that all of you can direct your your hate mail to me. Pat will be taking that side. Ryan's taking the play them both, play them both side. Very and, very typical of Ryan to you know sit on the fence. And I not am, a fence sitting position. I, it's really funny that I didn't think about that until now, but that is really really funny. Um, no, the fence sitting position would be sticking with the status quo, right? The guarantee. No, that no. at this point that's 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 definitely leaning yeah. a direction the, that a lot of people think is crazy. The fence sitting would be oh, play them both and see what happens. And <laughs> mine will be the youth I like movement. The, I like that you're just you just crapped on your own position on this issue. Oh, that's I totally did. I totally did. A hundred percent did. But you know what? Now I have the, the old among us is taking the youth movement stance. Now I have real West versus hypothetical West, and either way, one of them is going to be correct, and so screw off the rest of you. See? BDSM podcast, anything goes. You know, Patrick, you change your opinions a little bit when you hit 40. That's what I hear. uh, Yeah, which I'll have to worry about in three years. (laughs) Here we go. Uh, Pat, you are the the football beat writer. The floor will be yours to start this debate. Let's not not shell out the the hollow praise just yet. Well, no, I'm just saying, like, that's your, 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 um, don't, don't sell yourself short, Pat. You do an excellent job covering Tennessee football for GoBoss247.com. Thank you. Thank you. Um, again, this is, I don't like, I, I literally just said, like, five minutes ago that I don't necessarily believe this is the case, but, but this is, this is the argument. This, is, I, this is, we're, we're treating this like high school debate class where I'm trying to state my, state a stance. And Ryan will be And the stance is that Jared Garantano, despite all of his, uh, the issues that he's had this season and the problems that he's, uh, had and his regression from last season, he's still the quarterback that gives you and gives Tennessee the best chance of winning. That is because these freshmen are not ready yet. Nothing that we've seen from them suggests they are ready. Nothing that Tennessee has seen in most of practices dating back for the entire offseason has suggested that these guys are ready. Um, just because freshmen at other schools, Bo Nix, guy at Oklahoma State, uh, even Mississippi State, they've, they're starting a freshman quarterback right now. Tennessee could see him in a couple weeks. Just because those guys are playing well doesn't mean, you know, Sam Howell at North Carolina, just because those guys are doing this doesn't mean that Brian Maurer or J.T. Stroud can play that well. Uh, And I'm not convinced that those guys are ready yet. I don't think they're as good as some of those other freshmen that are playing elsewhere. And and I believe you still have the chance that that Garantano is is your best bet um, and gives you the best chance of winning. This is a guy that, you know, at any minute could pop up and play like he did against Auburn last season, could pop up, play like he did against Kentucky. I think he's – 
undoubtedly a better quarterback than he has shown through four games. Uh, and he's shown that in the past. Does he deserve a chance to play his way out of it and correct those things? I don't know. But as of, as we're sitting here right now on whatever day it is, he still is Tennessee's best chance of winning football games. And that's what this that that's what this program and that's what this staff, that's what they want to do. They want to win games right now. You can build for the future if it gets to a point. But at that you're not at that point yet. And you need to go out and try to win games, and he's your most experienced and your most ready, and the option that, that gives you the best chance of winning. So you had for me, hypothetically, taking my case here, yeah, you have to keep starting. And the other thing that, that Pruitt said this week and said on Monday was he's he's still practicing well. At some point, if you practice well enough and you keep practicing well enough, you should eventually play like you practice. It's the old adage, right? Yeah, Crompton. Exactly. If you keep practicing well, at some point, your hard work and what you do in practice will pay off, and you'll play well on Saturday. And so he's he practices better than the guys. They'll, they'll keep sticking with him. And I think that there are some numbers. Prove me wrong. There are some, some numbers that, that support your argument. One that you did not throw out, but that I happen to just have the stats up because I'm prepared uh, and do, <laughs> do my job like a professional over here. You could have said that the passer rating for Jared Garantano, as bad as things were at Florida, his passer rating was 88.2, whereas Mowers was 51.8. Well, those are both abysmal, so that doesn't really prove anything. Yeah, for, for reference, uh, Kyle Trask was 168.6, and uh, Jones... I mean, Garantano was like around 141 last season. Yeah, and Jones was 94.7, uh, the, the backup there for, for Florida. So, or, or the... I don't want to say co-starter. He's the backup now. So that, that's the argument. I will posit a different argument. Brian Maurer had fewer possessions than Jarrett Garantano during the Florida game, and he's the only one who put points on the board. Now, Samaglia kicked the ball through. Give, I'll give you that. Um, but Maurer gives Tennessee hope. You, you need a spark. You need energy. You need a guy who will go into the huddle and will look guys in the eye and will be confident. And what I know about Brian Maurer is whether he has earned that confidence or not, he has it all the time. I, I'm not saying he can't be rattled, but this is a kid who um, you watch him play the game, he thinks he can make any throw. He'll put the ball down and tuck it and run and have some some moves in the open field. He'll 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 give you a chance to open up your running game a little bit because you can maybe do a couple more zone read things where he'll actually run the ball occasionally and he'll be a threat. Whereas Garantano is not really a runner there unless he has to be. And, and I think right now, what I see from from Garantano is a guy who is afraid of his own shadow out there, and. As so often happens, you make the most mistakes when you're worried about making mistakes. And Garantano knows this offense better than anyone. He knows these teammates better than anyone. He has every reason to feel confident in what he's doing, and he just doesn't because he's missing guys downfield. He's not putting the ball where it needs to go. He's late on his reach, which means he's indecisive, which all of that means he's hurting for confidence. And you have to have a culture in your program where you're not afraid. What is the one thing Jeremy Pruitt has shown consistently throughout his time at Tennessee? That he, he will not coach afraid, and he does not want his players to play afraid. He will go for it on fourth down. He will keep his offense on the field. He will onside kick it. He will fake field goals and punts. He will go after your throat. Now, he doesn't have the weapons to do it right now, but he's trying to instill a culture at Tennessee that what they're going to do is be an aggressive team that puts pressure on the opponent. And if you keep pressure on the opponent, eventually pressure bursts pipes. Right now, you have if you're trying to, to engineer a program where you have that right now, you cannot have a tentative guy at quarterback because that's the face of your offense and the face of what you're doing. And if you want to really be confident and really want to put pressure on people you got to start at the quarterback spot yeah but if you just because just because you make a gutsy decision doesn't mean it's the right decision correct north carolina case in point that was the right decision i'll, I'll stand on that no, all day gutsy decision to go for two and try to beat clemson when you have a chance to wasn't the great decision because they called the wrong play just because just because it's the gutsy or the decision that falls in line with the way that 
Jeremy Pruitt wants to coach his team and his program doesn't mean it's the right decision. I think throwing Brian Maurer to the Wolves against Georgia is a bad decision. If you want to, if we want to have this conversation, it in, is at in home. Three at, weeks, least, at least it's not on the road. It is at home. If you want to have this conversation in three weeks, yeah, at home with twenty five thousand to thirty thousand Georgia fans in the stands, barking like adult men barking. Is that what you really want to put him through? I mean, if you want to, if you want to start him against South Carolina in three weeks, then that's a different conversation for a different time. I don't think I don't think now is the time to pull the trigger. I don't. I, I still don't think he gives you the best chance of winning, even though he can bring some different things to the table. And most importantly, something that you touched on, two things that, that Maurer would bring to the table would be confidence, which I do think Jerry Garantano is lacking right now. Maybe he's had a chance to build it up over the past, uh, or maybe he will have the chance to build it back up over the open date. Uh, and he brings uh, an impact on his teammates, and that's something that Pruitt has talked about a lot with Garantano not doing it. But, like, when I look at film, like, you know, I, I, I don't break. Well, I also don't think, I also don't think Maurer has shown anything that, he, I think he's shown more why he's not ready and why you can't go to him. Yeah, I think. As opposed to reasons that they should start him. Just because you have confidence and, and an impact on your teammates does not make you a great quarterback that's going to hit open throws and make all the right plays and make the right reads and not turn the ball over. Yeah, I don't think that, that a bye week fixes everything, but I do think if you have a bye week where, you get a chance to really prepare someone for a specific opponent and for a situation. You you can do that. Uh, it, it's not. There's nothing. There's nothing you can do in the span of, of of ten, twelve days that will put Maurer's knowledge of this offense anywhere near Garantano's. That's just not. That's not how yeah. it goes. Garantano, maybe not the specific offense, but Garantano has played at this level for for you know he's been at this level for four years third year basically as a, as a starter in some way. So I, I think what you can do, though, is when I watch the film, it, it, if your film's not ridiculously impressive, Tennessee shouldn't be looking at you. Tennessee, so, so all these guys look good on film. They're supposed to. Th- this film is their cut-ups. It's designed. It's their very best plays. So they're all, they all look good. And if they don't look good, then you got a problem. But Maurer's film was so exciting in some ways because he just makes things happen. I don't know if it's like that kind of poor man's like uh, like that whole, you know, kind of Steve Young, Jeff Garcia kind of run around making plays, uh, kind of escapes the pocket, uh, is able to buy himself time and then make throws downfield. He just does things. He makes plays when they're not there. And that's something that yeah, but, but Tennessee's against, offense needs. Going against Orlando high schools is a lot going against the Georgia Bulldogs. Not uh, even Orlando. Ocala. Uh, uh, Close enough, right? 100%, 100% <laughs> true. But at some point... See, Garantano actually has highlights of games that he's won against SEC teams. I think there might only be two of them, but still. But, but <laughs> that's this two more than Maurer. <laughs> Tennessee would be 3-1 and one with one respectable loss if it had even remotely adequate quarterback play. And if you keep putting people out there and you expect a different result, they, they call that insanity. And, and, and I don't know that it's reached that point yet with Garantano. But, I think it's insane to start a freshman against Georgia. But I think that if you are wanting to give your teammates a boost, maybe you do that. Maybe you throw them out. You know Garantano can go back in there. You know if he you, needs to, right? You know he can go back in there. You know that he can, at a moment's notice, go back in there. He'll know the game plan. He'll know what to do. But if you go into the game and you say, you know. But is he engaged Mal- if you go to him off the bench? Has he been engaged this season when he's been the starter? I mean, that's, that's all fair. You guys have both made some good points. All right, Ryan, stake your claim. I'm going to tell you why you're both right, but you're kind of both wrong. Okay. Um, I think – what what Patrick said about Garantano starting is true. I don't I don't think this is a game where you throw a true freshman to the Wolves. I don't think it's a good idea against a defense that you're going to face in Georgia that that has but one that has the same concepts you face every day in practice. It it does, but it's still a team that's just more talented than yeah, yours. But they have a lot more talent than what yeah. he faces in practice. That's very so, true. Uh, and more pass rushers this year, as as Jeremy Prudis has pointed out, uh, they've they've brought in some new guys that have that have helped their front seven even. So it's they're going to be able to throw some things. They're they're I thought it was interesting. Pruitt even mentioned Monday they, they've thrown in more wrinkles this year uh, in year four under Kirby Smart. So hashtag wrinkles. It's almost like when you learn something, you, you can then do other things. Yeah, when you get a – Crazy, right? Crazy well, how that works. When you get a foundation and you, you keep players there by year four, yeah, you can start to add on to it. So, so multiple things Georgia can throw at Tennessee that are going to cause 
problems for anybody, much less a true freshman quarterback. Plus, as Patrick said, you haven't seen anything from Mauer to this point that suggests he's really ready. I don't think, I don't think throwing him out there is just, I mean, everyone, I, this is the most common argument I hear for changing quarterbacks. And, and this, this has come up in the past before uh, with, with, with Dobbs actually during his freshman year, you know, people, people say, why, why do people think Ferguson is Riley Ferguson is ahead of Josh Dobbs? And they'd say, well, you don't know until you put him out there. A lot of fans believe in there being gamers that are not good in practice necessarily, mm-hmm. but that just the light comes on for them on a game field. And so there's... I believe in that concept too. I think coaches, To a degree. I, I think coaches do too, but coaches don't like to admit it because they right. want everybody to practice well. Yeah. So, um, but I also don't believe you just pull it out of nowhere. I don't think you've practiced bad and suddenly can play well. I think you've at least got to show flashes of it in practice. But anyway... They're making the case that okay, Garantano's a good practice player. It, so what? That doesn't. That clearly doesn't mean anything. So even if Maurer is not a great practice player right now, not consistent in practice, you don't know what you have until you roll him out there and see what you have. Um, and there. And again, we've seen some of what he can do. I do think though, while he's not ready yet, the only way to really get him ready, and there's probably going to come a point in, in time later this year at this rate where you might decide he is ready to start. The only way to get him ready is to play him more. And, and I think what they've done so far with him is really not given him a fair chance to show what he can do. I think he needs to get more into the rhythm of a game. You know, they, they put him in against Florida and he threw the ball a lot. They put him in against Chattanooga and he ran the ball a lot. Let him, let him have a normal game plan, see what he can do, and see if he can be a changeup that can get your offense going. I, I wouldn't go into this, to this game with a set plan of playing him on a certain drive or whatever. I would just give Garantano the start and say – Whenever it feels right, we're going to give Mauer give Mauer a drive, and and if that's one possession into the game because they look out of sorts, or not until the middle of the second quarter, so be it. Yeah, but if you play two quarterbacks, what's the old saying? If you have you two have quarterbacks, none. you have none. And I think Tennessee has none right Steve now. Steve Spurrier I, has a trophy case that suggests otherwise. I, I think <laughs> so. That's one coach out of how many hundreds and is it filled with, Is it filled with trophies from that year where they rotated guys back to back? Tennessee won the SEC that year, didn't they? But they they did, Ryan. Correct. He, he's done that several years though. He's, he did it more than once, but I don't know that it ever worked out all that well. I mean, they were still good. Let's be fair about that. But anyway. I don't think Tennessee has a quarterback that you can point to and say that's the guy that's going to win us four SEC games this year, and that's why that's why you're open to an idea like this. Uh, I think the fact that Jeremy Pruitt has already come out and said, you know, that we've got to give guys equal reps, even if they were already somewhat doing that before, um, you know, it, whether that's a big change or not, the fact that he's come out and said that and acknowledged that there are no secrets that they've got to get better play at quarterback. That's all a big step because, as we know, the first two or three games of the season. He wasn't really acknowledging Garantano wasn't playing well. How how sad and shocking is it that we're even at this point? Yeah, I mean it's 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 really surprising, and that's why I, that's why I say now that you're to this point, go ahead and play them both and see what you have in Maurer. And if he if he gets a little more playing time and starts to show them some things, maybe you gradually expand that package. And again, the other thing is he gives you a little bit of a different look from Garantano. He can give you some zone read stuff. You can use the use his mobility to get him out of the pocket some. There's some things there you can take advantage of that maybe open up the offense a little bit if you're kind of banging your head against the wall to start the game. My concern is, and I've seen this before, um, when teams are otherwise playing okay football, not great, but okay mostly, and the quarterback is not good, I have seen that completely take the morale out of a football program or a football team. You think in 2005? Yeah, I mean, you you, you get people that – that just don't believe in the quarterback, and that leads to a draw. Like a everyone else kind of loses their sharpness. Receivers Two. receivers say, "Why am I busting my tail every play running these routes?" And there's no chance I'm ever going to get the ball, and it's going to be accurate. It really deflates a team. And at some point, if it starts to deflate the play of people around them, you have to think about making a change because it's not like. I, I don't believe that you treat quarterbacks the way you treat every other position. It's different. It has to be different by its nature. The rules are different for them. They just are. And if you don't think that, you just you never really been around football. But what I'm saying is I think that if it gets to a point and it's nearing that point where even guys like Callaway are occasionally saying, like, you know, that was just his mistake and, you know, he's got to play better and yada, yada, that's how it starts. And it's a little thing that kind of festers. 
and then it eventually makes everybody else start playing really bad football too, and you have to address that before it gets there. Yeah, but you guys have said something about Maurer that he's still like the hope right now. Mm-hmm. You throw him out there against Georgia and he gets crushed, your hope is gone. And you, and gotta, you don't. Then, then JT Shroud's the best player then, who ever lived, and, and then, they just need to give him a shot. And, and, then, it, and you got to worry about crushing his confidence. We've seen this yes. before. You can throw out a guy, Nathan Peterman, I think this kind of happened to at Tennessee. You can you can set back a player. First career start in the swamp. What could go wrong? Yeah, you, you throw yeah. out a guy in a situation that he's not prepared for, and you can hurt his confidence and set back his development when he otherwise has a promising future. And, and I think you do have to worry about that with Maurer. And, and, and maybe perhaps more damaging in the short term is if you do play both of them, you play Garantano two series, two three and outs. You put Maurer in there, no change, no difference. That's when you can sap a team of confidence, hope, swagger, all that stuff. If they know, you know what, we don't have a quarterback, we're not going to be able to score a lot of points. Your defense is going to be out there busting its the word we used earlier <laughs> for no gain because the you know, tailpipe. They'll, 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 quite, they'll, they'll, they'll get to a point where you know they're keeping the team in the game for only so long, and then the dam kind of breaks. That's a DAM, like the one. DAM, DAM. Let's stop. let's 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 get that clear right now. Yeah, DAM. I don't want any confusion, and that's why. Yes, maybe trotting Garantano back out there is borderline insanity, but he's still a guy that has shown that he can play better than he has. And I, I think I do think he's he's earned a somewhat longer. Man, leash. I say to my case so much better than you two. <laughs> I don't <laughs> I know think, that I believe that. Didn't I? Think, I, th- I, th- I think I took the worst argument of the three. No, ooh, I took ga- the worst and, argument of the three, <laughs> and, and gave it a pretty decent. Gave it gave it a pretty decent light there. If that I think if that if I were a trial lawyer there, I, I would have been like, okay, I still lost the case, but I but I gave it a pretty good I gave it a good run. All right, so let's snap back to reality. I think what Tennessee snap first of all, I, I think they will play both. I think that's what I think will happen. I think, I think they th- absolutely have to play both. I think they're going to start Garantano, and I have little doubt about that. First of all, I would be Correct. shocked if they start Maurer. I, I think everything Jeremy Pruitt has said has pointed to either sticking with Garantano or playing both. I don't think anything has pointed to a change because Correct. What he is what he said Monday again, he talked about needing to get the ball in their playmakers' hands, and that clearly is something that Garantano has. You'd have to say has an upper hand in, even if he's not done it as well this year. Uh, he, he has a history of getting the ball into players' hands. They they arguably need to work the short passing game better to maybe just get these guys some chances. But regardless, they need to get it in these guys' hands, and Garantano can do that. And Maurer hasn't shown so far, at least, that he can consistently make throws to, to just make that happen. So that points to that. Uh, he's also defended Garantano, even though he's said that, hey, the quarterback job's kind of open in, in not so many words. He's not TOing it, but he's, but, but, but he's, that's yeah. his quarterback. Yeah, he's, he's defended him still and, and said, you know, made, made it sound like a guy they still need. He, they're not ready to move on from him. So I would be shocked if it's not number two taking the first snap against Georgia. I think that's fair. Uh, guys, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to step away for a second, uh, pay some bills, listen to some product services, in house ads, all those fun things and uh, come back and discuss a little bit about Jeremy Pruitt and the hair himself, Kirby Smart. Hashtag ad. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Go Balls 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products and services or in-house ads you just heard during that commercial break or if you hit the fast forward button, then it's like they never happened, which we don't condone because we like it when, you know, we pay bills and stuff. But if you did that, that's your right as an American citizen or a citizen, in fact, of the world. Fellas, um, there's been talk and there will be talk, I think, this week. Uh, that's why I wrote the column on Monday about this, uh, that you look at when when Kirby Smart went to Georgia, he came there as the defensive coordinator at Alabama. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt did the same thing coming to Tennessee after being the defensive coordinator at Alabama. Both were first-time head coaches, and people are saying, you can already see it. Look at what happened in the second year with Kirby Smart at Georgia. How they have that they had that, I think, 7-5 uh, regular season, 8-5 and five win. Uh, 
eight and five record his first year after they'd won 10 wins each of the past two seasons. And they mm-hmm. said, oh, no, is this a mistake? And then from that point on, there's something stupid like 25 or 26 and, and 5. There's something stupid like that. They've won a lot of games and have not lost many. And the ones they've lost have mostly been to Alabama and pretty competitive affairs. So when you look at this, you say, wow, Pruitt, they go 5-7 and seven in year one. Okay, that's fair. Now they're 1-3, and three, losing to Georgia State, losing to BYU. What's going on here? Is this already a sign that this is not working. And I made the case in a column on Monday that that's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard because if you think anything about the situation Pruitt walked into is anything like the situation Smart walked into at Georgia, you're insane. Well, it's it's an inevitable comparison because both are, are basically first-time head coaches at, the, at pretty big jobs. Um, and and saving to save. Yeah, and they're both coming from being Alabama's defensive coordinator and doing a respectable and well thought of job for, for Saban. Who's, um, I mean, they've had a lot of coaches down there and a lot of them have gone on to, uh, to get head coaching jobs, mm-hmm. but not all of them have been successful, even though a lot of them were pretty good for Alabama. So, uh, that's, that's the inevitable comparison. It's almost like Saban's good. And then there's also, there's so many, you know, there's so many connections and familiar and, and, and lines of familiarity between both these two programs. A lot of coaches have coached at both places. Yep. Tennessee just hired Jim Chaney. Um, you know, Kevin Scherer has been in Georgia. Scherer, Rocker, friend, Will Friend. Will Friend. Uh, you know, Tennessee's got half their staff has at some point coached at Georgia, including Peter Meyer. So, yeah. So, or, you know, uh, and, and so there's inevitably going to be that comparison. And, and listening to uh, Pruitt answer that question on Monday, it seemed like he was saying veiled. I don't know how veiled it was, actually. He was like basically pointing out all the advantages that Georgia had when Kirby got there, um, that he that Tennessee did not have. And it was funny. It's, the funniest line was that or not the funniest, but maybe the most telling was, you know, hey, they they you know, they've been really well set at the quarterback position. Um, talking about Jake Fromm, who he mm-hmm. has a lot of respect for as a player. And then he was even like last year they had two great quarterbacks, because you know, we see what Justin Fields is doing at Ohio State, which R. I. P. Nebraska. And then yeah. before and before that they before that they um, also had Eason. Yeah, I mean, and so, you know. <laughs> Three really you know, good quarterbacks right obviously, now. Obviously, you know, quarterback play is, is. Three of the top 10 or top top 15 or so. Yeah, I mean. Quarterbacks, yeah, you know, I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, and so he, he was basically pointing out, uh, you know, they won 20 games the years before. How You know, Tennessee won in, in, I guess they won 13 games in the two years before Pruitt got there. But one of them was an abysmal 4-8 and eight season where yeah. they did win an SEC game. Um, and so, you know, Georgia went to, what, 10-3 and three in, last, in his final season under Mark Rick? Yes. What was it? I think I said maybe fifty games in the five yeah, years yeah. before that. So I mean, it's I think just, I think nine and three regular season won a bowl game. I think, yeah, yeah. And so it's just it's it's not a, um, it, it's there's really not even a comparison between what Pruitt took over and what Kirby Smart took over. Which uh, I don't know that that's you know breaking hashtag breaking news, but it's still something that you know people this week are going to say. Well, you have one Alabama defensive coordinator who. In two years, flip you know, changed the the course of Georgia's program and turned them from being a, a solid, competitive, competing for the SEC every year to being one of the, the elite programs in college football. And then you have another guy in Pruitt who looks to be taking steps back because they started one and three this year. Well, and I think if you're Jeremy Pruitt, you've got to you got to kind of defend that at this point too because it's to that point where people you know you're well aware if you're Jeremy Pruitt that people are starting to question the job. Yeah, that and, you're and doing. especially a lot of people on a national level who don't understand right and they just you know they look at the records and they you know they don't they don't they if don't understand. just had beaten georgia state my goodness yeah it's gonna be there for yeah, let's throw ahead, <laughs> let's go ahead and throw byu in there because they won that game and byu just lost to toledo so that's fair byu also beat usc i'm beginning to believe though by the way that we've got this top tier of teams nationally that's maybe what eight or ten deep if that probably not even that on, on some levels there's four or five teams i think that are above the rest yes and and then you have a you have a second tier below that that maybe go, goes through about the top fifteen or so, and then beyond that, I think everybody fifth you know sixteen through eighty nationally is just not the same, obviously, but they're not that far apart. They really aren't. Yeah, the thing that got me when I was looking at some numbers of this situation was that Georgia won at least ten games in four of the five years before Smart got there. Yeah. That's four 10-win seasons in a five-year period that you're walking into. And Mark Reck was very consistent at Georgia, which is why he was crucified yeah, so much. And, and, and Tennessee had not won 10 games in a season in more than a decade 
when Pruitt got there. On one hand, 10 wins four times in five years. On the other hand, not a 10-win season in more than a decade. And Georgia had been ranked at least as high as number seven nationally in each of the four seasons before Smart got there. This was not even like, like Georgia was a giant who was taking a power nap. And what Tennessee was a giant in a coma. That's not even close to the same thing. Well, in Georgia, as we've, as Georgia fans would easily have told you anytime during Mark Rick's tenure, one of the reasons Mark Rick took so much grief is because Georgia has a, as a state has maybe more talent per capita than anywhere in the country. So it's really easy to recruit there when things are going even relatively well. And the fact that they've, I mean, having just one good year under Kirby smart was all they needed to sort of catapult this program to another level. And now they're recruiting very comparably to Alabama and Clemson. Yeah, every year. Didn't all of us say for years. And I know, I know I said, it, and a lot of us said it too, that when you look at it, historically speaking, Georgia is as disappointing just about as any program I can well, think of relative to what they should be historically. Cause a lot of us said for a long time, my goodness, what would ever happen if Georgia got a just a ruthless dude in there who would recruit relentlessly, who would push them to the next level? That becomes a juggernaut instantly. Well, and let's and, and it happened. Well, let's we should say here that Georgia has still has not won a national title since 1980. That's very true. That's and very I think true. Wes, you were the only one that was alive. I was not alive yet. But in that a, was two years before allegedly, my existence. Allegedly, but I'm gonna have to pull out my birth certificate one time. This I feel like I feel like President Obama well, did back in the day. We, like I need to like fill out my long form birth certificate. Oh, uh, don't, don't, don't need to go there. In an, um, in an era though, when Alabama has sort of been the standard setter, and they and, can't beat Alabama. And, and well, I was gonna say, but they've they've been ranked number one twelve years in a row now after after vaulting to number one this which week, which is stupid, by the way. Uh, but but it's insane. It, but at that level, Georgia has risen to the point that it's at least competing with Alabama, and it's really the only SEC program doing that right now and um well it also helps that Georgia doesn't have to play Alabama every year yes uh so and, and but we you know we hear this we hear this a lot of times where it's like okay the second year of a head coach coach's tenure you know that's like the litmus test miles where, on miles all of them you uh, could tell by the second year it was going to work if it's going to work or not and they, these two programs are a great case that kind of butts at that a little bit because you have a program that uh if, if we're comparing these programs to houses Okay, you, you come to Georgia's house and they need like they need to like some new coats of paint probably in every room. Yeah. And uh, you come to Tennessee's house and they needed to like redo the bathroom, redo the kitchen, basement's a mess. Well, you, you had a lot more. I mean, Georgia needed just cosmetic changes. They Tennessee's needed, they was needed, the fundamental change that had. Yeah, to I mean, Georgia needed basically with all the talent they had, they just needed an attitude adjustment. They needed some they needed some fortitude to go from being sort of a stale, you know, competitive but not really championship material they needed a program and then tennessee needs tennessee has a losing record every past 12 years tennessee in the past 12 years of football that's 12 years that's what half a generation give or take tennessee has a losing record overall in the past 12 years get that through your head everybody this is going to take time to fix it just is let me let me let me modify my house let me modify my house analogy here real quick a giant tree fell into tennessee's house and that's the job that you have to yeah, that's what you have to do. And then you thought versus you would a, fix versus that one. a paint job. And then you fixed that one, and then like another tree fell down <laughs> on it. And then you tried to clean that up, and then a third tree <laughs> fell on it. And then you're like, oh, God, we didn't even really fix the first damage from the first tree. Why do trees keep falling? We can't keep doing this. Why do we live in a forest? This is a terrible idea. Let's go to Nebraska. While Georgia, you could argue, was a situation that was sort of primed for a, a, ch- a chance to be competing for championships pretty quickly. They just needed a different leader to kind of rejuvenate things ruthless and under it needed a ruthless leader it was a sort of an underachieving team that needed a change at the top kind of like the chicago cubs you could say oh boy we're not i don't even know what baseball is right now <laughs> fellas oh boy what is baseball? I, just, I got birth certificates and baseball thought i just wanted to throw that out there what, what, uh, is, what is baseball i don't even know now, well, that, now that baseball season's over for one of us and you yes could, it is honestly very much over. and you can make the case that any now georgia's the point where if they don't win the sec if they don't beat alabama They've underachieved too. They're still underachieving. Yeah, I mean they they well, go to LSU last year and get trucked. Uh, who they lose to? Did they lose to anybody? Kirby's second year. I don't think they did. I would, but I if mean, they would have lost to Notre Dame, that would have been a choke job. It would. And, and 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 even though you know we say that Georgia needed, uh, we know Alabama what you know what you know what they are. But Georgia had them on the ropes twice and choked both times. So I, I I still have some questions about 
can Kirby get them over that hump? I, I do too, to a degree. And I, I almost wondered as I listened to Jeremy Pruitt kind of talk up how good Georgia is and saying that this, this is maybe the best Georgia team he's ever seen at this point in the year and seeing the results compared to those comments. I couldn't lost, help. lost to Florida his second year. Yeah. Um, but, but seeing the results mm-hmm. and Tennessee. Seeing the results, though, and kind that of was his first year. Com- yeah, that was, that was year one. That was year one. I'm pretty sure they ran the table in the regular season. Let me look that up. 2017, they went to the playoff. Correct. 2016 was 2016 his second year. That was his no, first that was year. first year. That's when they lost. They lost to Vanderbilt that season. Yeah, that's right. There you go. You what about it? 2017? Did they, did they lose anybody in the regular season? That's what I'm looking up right now, fellas. Pardon our progress. You here. didn't. You didn't do your research. Well, you know, I, I did some research. Second year loss to Auburn. Oh, that's right. Oh yeah. Okay. In fact, got. But the, they came back and beat them a couple weeks later. Yeah, the they did come back, but they got the snot beat out of them. But anyway, a little bit down in Auburn there. As I as I heard Jeremy Pruitt sort of hyping up this Georgia team and how good they are, how good they look, even compared to last year, I couldn't help but wonder, kind of knowing, knowing the way these two coaches, I think, go head to head all the time and everything. I just couldn't help but wonder: is he is he sort of building up Kirby here to disappoint if they are lose you, a game? Are or you two? suggesting that he doesn't like Kirby Smart? Uh, Where would you get that? They idea? do not get along. Breaking news. Like, no, no, neither, neither one of them will ever admit it publicly, but it's like the worst kept secret in did, the SEC that they don't really like each other very but, much. But Pruitt did drive Mrs. Smart to the hospital when she was having going into labor, though. Well, you, even even if, like, for instance, even if I hated either of you, I, would, I wouldn't, I mean, I, if your wife needed something, I would be happy to do it, you know? <laughs> don't talk about my wife. What I'm saying is I would be happy to do it. It would be a lot of, that's why it, it will be a lot of fun if, ten, if Jeremy Pruitt can get Tennessee up to the level where they're challenging Georgia because... This could be a pretty fun rivalry with these two as head coaches. But I think the point, the whole point of this is that I, I don't, I, I don't like that people are making this comparison because they're just completely ignoring a whole slate of numbers that are very important and tell a very crystal clear story. That uh, now, the Georgia State loss, not cool, um, but everything other than that, kind of adds up. Honestly, it's when a, you look at what they had to deal with and who they were placing in that second year and, and the, the inexperience of the players they have and the, the players that were not recruited for this system, there, there's a lot of reasons that, that, that make some sense here. Honestly, it's, it would be a lot fairer to compare Jeremy Pruitt's first two years to like what Will Muschamp did at South Carolina or what Chad Morris even is doing now at Arkansas. Like programs that with, Chad, Chad Morris isn't doing much of anything. No, he, he's not. But uh, that's my point, though. Those programs... Hey, they gave a a pretty good fight over the weekend. Those those are not programs that were, were identical. Fresh off a loss to San Jose State. Those were not programs doing identically You're well. You're just but, a hater. But ten, you are. But again, it doesn't need to be... You don't need to say much more than Tennessee was 4-8 and eight the year before Jeremy Pruitt got there and had a disaster of a coaching search that sort of hurt the perception of the program a little bit. So when you, when you put all that together... And, and the roster he inherited, it was a mess. And anyone that's not aware of that is just not paying much attention to what, what Jeremy Pruitt took over. And, and that pretty easily explains the differences between, you know, Tennessee 5-7 and seven last year, Georgia, a playoff team. Yeah, I, I want to be very clear about this before we go to break. I want to be very clear about saying that this is not to excuse why Tennessee's in the place it's in. I don't think this staff has done an absolutely perfect job I, by any stretch of the imagination. I don't believe that at all. What I'm saying is – to try to make this a comparison that you would know by the second year, I I, I just I, I just don't believe that. I, and regardless of what happens going forward this season, I, I don't know that I believe that because what what you need when you got here was some stability. You needed a couple years. There were a bunch of things you needed to work on, and people have to understand that this, this is a dig in, get a shovel, dig in and help kind of rebuild. This is it's an eyesore, and it's going to be one until they get it fixed, and it's not going to happen with a snap of a finger. It's just not. And I don't want that to to upset people, I don't, but, but I don't think people need to be naive and, and, and thinking things like, oh, it's just a couple breaks away from this being this. No, it's not. They're a long way away from being anywhere near where they want to be. And, and this year, how, it's, how, these, how these first four games have gone, even if Tennessee gets up off the mat and goes five and seven or six and six somehow, I think what happened to start this year has sort of caused people to realize finally what the situation was. I think even last year, to a degree, what happened at the end of the season, Missouri and Vanderbilt, people were still blaming Pruitt for that, I think, instead of acknowledging what Tennessee, the, the limitations it had that allowed it to beat Auburn and Kentucky, but yet didn't allow it to really slow down anybody else on its yeah. schedule. I, and we people, all here, we all here fell for it too. Let's be honest yeah. about this. Going into the second year, we fell for it because I don't think any of us thought that Garantana would be anywhere near no, this bad. No. 
Now, now that said, and, and the Bryce Thompson thing, Batuli missing the first two weeks, none of us predicted things like that. Still shouldn't have lost to Georgia in, State. In general, though, there were people thinking like, oh, this could be a nine-win team. No, 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 no. That was never, ever the case. Yep. I, I'm just – I, I think I think Tennessee fans would help themselves – by restructuring the way they look at this in the short term. I think the long-term expectations never need to change. You're Tennessee, by God. You should be one of the best programs in the country. You should figure out a way to do this, yada, yada. But in the short term, I think you have to understand what you're looking at. Any coach who takes over should be at Tennessee aiming to be challenging for championships by year five, no matter the situation, because that's, that's your team at that point. What happens in years one through four very much depends on what you inherit. And clearly Jeremy Pruitt inherited a situation where years one through four are going to be more of a gradual build back um, than, than most coaches would prefer to deal, deal with. And let's face it, year two might, be, might end up being a step back for Jeremy Pruitt now, depending on how the, the rest of this year goes. So I just think it's frustrating. From The only thing that actually frustrates me is that, is that people look at this like you're defending something or someone when you're really just looking at what something is and calling it what it is. And... They don't even need to be in a place where they're even thinking about changing the deck again. They just can't. They th- that's just not the right thing to think about or talk about or do right now. I well, let's think. let's just see how the rest of the year even plays out. Before I mean, to to be saying that, I mean, I'll, I'll go ahead and save you the trouble. Georgia's probably going to win this game by a comfortable margin. Yes, nothing we see Saturday is going to change. I mean, even if Tennessee's not competitive at all in this game, it's not going to change my thoughts on Jeremy Pruitt's long term future. So, just go you ahead. hate him. You said that many times. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So go. Ahead. <laughs> Actually, Pat's the hater today. Actually, um, so shut up. So nuts. see my point. Point. Point taken right there. See. So just go ahead and prepare yourselves for that likely loss for Tennessee on Saturday, and and don't be upset on Monday <laughs> and thinking, okay, now he's Saturday. Wanting... Saturday's gonna suck. Enjoy the sight. Try the veal. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I mean, but that's that's what you got to do. It's you, true, it's true. I mean, you as a Tennessee fan, I'm not sure there's ever been a year quite like this. But four games into the year, you almost have to take expectations out of your mind because we. I don't know what, what can Tennessee fans reasonably hope to count on the that, rest of well, the year. That oh, go ahead. Well, I mean, Tennessee fans should show up Saturday night. First of all, uh, don't sell your tickets to Georgia fans because that's just not cool. Actually, you know what? It's your money. You can do what you want. Do what you want with your money, uh, but but if you want to help your program, you won't do that. Yeah, and and you and, know, but Georgia I, fans talking about checker checkering Neyland though, that's stupid. Is that a thing? I just I've never. They're gonna have like thirty thousand people, forty thousand tops. Like that would is be everyone. Crazy. Is everyone gonna wear a red and a black shirt to the game, and then they figure it out? Like um, I don't understand. My, it's it's not possible. I, I would go if I was a Tennessee fan, just because I don't know how many more night games you're gonna get. Night night games at Neyland Stadium are still cool, and, and you might not get any more night games this season, just because uh, Mississippi State game is gonna be a nooner. This is your biggest home game of the season. You're yes. not gonna have another one that, that's gonna be of this magnitude with a top five team coming in so if you want if you want to help recruiting obviously they could use the good atmosphere to entertain the recruits that are going to be there even a even a loss you can you can impress recruits and attendance with an and, impressive and, atmosphere and ryan you've said this till you're blue in the face but recruits don't get like overly caught up in one result or one no, atmosphere that they see especially because everyone who goes to this game as a prospect is going to know georgia's supposed to win the game but if they go there and they see forty thousand georgia fans yes that that will leave might, an impression might on it might i mean well here's what i'm saying people if if, if i see adult men barking at other adult people then i will that, <laughs> that'll leave an impression on me as well here's the thing it's a not so, it's what they do man it'll make an imp- a positive impression for georgia more so than a negative impression for tennessee you don't want to give georgia a chance to impress in your state is the main thing but the other thing is you can make an impressive environment at Neyland Stadium even with 80,000 fans you well, know what whatever so I, all, all I'm saying here is that I fully understand how much it sucks to tell people because th- these tickets they're not cheap you know the, these uh, the the stadium experience is not cheap you know you, you you go in there and it's been a billion degrees so you had a bunch of water and now if you want a couple beers too you can get them but you're gonna have to pay for that and then you're gonna have to get waters two more of that because you're so dehydrated and, and you're gonna get hungry during the game maybe a three or four hour game however long it is parking it, it can be I get that it sucks to go when things are like that when you know the team you love is gonna just get the holy hell kicked out of them that sucks. But if you do that and you still show up and you still try, you are making an impression on people that says that this can get better because look at this environment. And, and it sucks because I can't say anyone who's selling their tickets to a Georgia fan, that's their right to do it. And I can't say that I blame them at all. I blame yeah. them 0% for that. But the people who don't do that, 
or the people who at least make sure they sell to a Tennessee fan if they're going to sell them or, or give them away to people who maybe wouldn't necessarily get a chance to go very often in a big game like this. There's other ways to handle it that can help the program, even if you can't stomach it yourself right now. And that's, yeah. people ask, as a program, what can fans do? You know, and fans can, you know, fans can boycott. That can, that can, that can not change too. But I don't think Tennessee can do anything about this situation for a while now. So you're going to have to suck it up and get behind this because this yeah. is what you got for a while. Well, well, and beyond that sort of bleaker thought, I was just kind of saying like, it's not bleak. It's reality. Uh, no, I agree. But it's it's not as positive and optimistic as what I'm about to say. I'm Mr. Sunshine over here. But yeah. But Tennessee, I mean, if they were to even make this a game, how much fun would that be? I mean, remember, remember the 2013 game where they almost pulled off the upset? Probably should have. Pig Howard fumbles out the front corner of the end zone in overtime, and they and they lose uh, by a field goal. But that game, I mean, it it includes still one of the most impressive moments from a Neyland Stadium crowd that I can remember. The the Jalen Reese Maven punt return scoop for a touchdown um, or block and then scoop for a touchdown by what Malik Foreman is that who picked that up every time you go to a game you could see something magical you never yeah, know right I mean, that, that, that's that's and so and sometimes I mean Georgia hasn't been overly impressive I mean do you think Memphis fans just, who went to that Tennessee game in 96 really thought they right. were gonna really thought they were gonna see Memphis beat Tennessee so you're kind of no, there's no way so you're kind of playing with house money yeah in all likelihood Georgia wins this game by a comfortable margin but what if they don't it still might be a pretty fun experience and it might give you reason to think hey, maybe Tennessee won't be down the dumps for so long. You know what else is a fun experience? Listening to uh, the products, services, and uh, in-house ads that help support this Go Balls 24-7 podcast. So we're going to take a quick break. We're going to step back, uh, get a nice cold sip of water, come back, and we're going to discuss what Tennessee can do during the open date. What can one open date fix in the situation Tennessee is in right now? We'll discuss that in just one second. Hashtag ad... Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Welcome back to the GoVols 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever ads you just heard a second ago. West Rucker, Patrick Brown, Ryan Callahan coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a Monday afternoon. Going to drop this on a Monday afternoon as well to keep it hashtag current, hashtag breaking. Fellas, um, Tennessee, as we mentioned earlier, did have an open date. We saw Tennessee's first four weeks, and I thought one of the funniest things or, or most real things Pruitt has said was when they asked him about one and three record or asked him how, what he thought of the coaching staff, and he said, we're one and three. So, yeah, he gets it. That, that, that is what they are. They go into an open date. What would it be possible for Tennessee to correct during that one extra week where they don't have to prepare for a game? It's you hear coaches talk about it. It's almost a back to basics week. It's a, it's a week to try to develop some younger players. Um, I, obviously that can allow for some competition and, and especially at quarterback, you know, we'll, we'll find out, I guess, in the next few days, whether, uh, whether there was, uh, you know, anything that changed in the quarterback competition, but yeah, it's a chance to sort of reset and just let, let, let guys get their bearings a little bit and, uh, see, see what you have and see, you know, self-evaluate a little bit uh, to, to sort of self-scout what you've been doing play calling wise. Uh, I think there could be some game plan adjustments that you make. And I think that's probably something that Tennessee fans should be hoping for out of this is that whether it's something, you know, the, the, the average fan out there will notice that there are at least some tweaks made in the game plan that are giving Jarrett Garantano the best chance to succeed or Brian Maurer or whoever's out there that that's, that is getting the ball into Marquez Callaway's hands more often, you know, so, something to maximize this team's talent, just tweaks in the game plan or the scheme overall. I think that's the main thing you're hoping for, but yeah, you, you can also hope that lineup changes or a young player developing maybe through last week's practices, whatever, whatever it might be, you can get some small things. So I think there can be some benefits and Hey, Jeremy Pruitt said last year, he thought they were a better team after the open date. And you know, whether that's just, sort of a morale thing or whether that's, you know, really getting something out of those practices. They that's were, you can hope they for were until the, the past, the last couple of weeks of the yeah. season they were, but they, they definitely had a bump from that bye well, week they, and played better for a while. Yeah, and they, you could be fresher too. And that's a big thing. They came out of the bye week and beat Auburn. 
Yeah. Um, last season. I don't know if that'll happen again, but Ryan, you mentioned Well, that lineup. won't because they're you not playing Auburn. You mentioned, thank you, Wes. Uh, you mentioned uh, lineup changes, Ryan. I think one that I think they should make is I think they should, I think they should let Kenneth George start at corner and see what goes on from there. Ooh. Warren Burrell, Ante Taylor have both not covered themselves in glory the first four, four games. Bryce Thompson now will be back. Uh, you'd expect him to play better than he did against Florida. Uh, that would be one lineup change I'd look at. I'm interested to see what they do in the offensive line. Do they uh, does Darnell Wright go back to right tackle? I think he's going to stick in the starting five. We got to see if Wanya Morris how healthy he is after he got banged up against Florida. So I don't think he did a whole lot last week. Uh, in which case, with him being banged up and Jameer Johnson being banged up, might have Marcus Tatum at left tackle. Probably not the best situation for him. But um, but then a lot of other places though they kind of got what they got, and there's not going to be bunch of saviors right in he did point out some guys that, have, that did seem to, to maybe take advantage of the open date but um i don't know how much of that was those guys are going to be starting or playing a lot more or if in some cases he was just asked about individual guys so um those would be those are maybe the two lineup situations that i'm maybe most interested in seeing and maybe it's safety too but yeah, yeah i mean you, you 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 give yourself an extra week to prepare for a game um and and for tennessee say they need to look at some of the stuff they've done and some of the Tendencies they've shown and, and try to switch those up so that maybe they're not as predictable and uh, maybe have some new wrinkles that other teams haven't seen before that they could use to their advantage. Well, and, and Jeremy Pruitt last week talking about it, you know, mentioned some some interesting things. You know, we think of maybe self scouting as like figuring out ten tendencies that you might have in play calling and changing them up. Part of it though is you're also looking at your success rate in certain play calls and in certain down and distance situations. So you might go to cover three or cover two or whatever basic call. You might go to that a high percentage of the time, but if it works a high percentage of the time, you should probably keep doing it. So there are things like that you have to evaluate that regardless of how predictable, part of it is just running plays that your team does well or that match up well in certain down and distances or certain situations. That That's part of what they may have gone back and looked at last week. So you hope that you get a Tennessee game plan uh, and, and – overall scheme that sort of matches what this team now has done through four games and, and maybe tweak some things to, to maximize whatever they've done well to this point, which I'll admit there, there's not been a lot to, to work from, but surely they've figured out something from going back and studying that data and film. Yeah. I think one thing that I'm looking forward to seeing, and I'm, I'm pretty sure this is going to happen. I, I, I don't, I can't say with certainty, but I'm leaning very heavily toward this being something that happens. I think Crouch and Harrison are going to be playing more, from this point forward, I, I think when you watch film, especially with Crouch, you see just how many things he's doing pretty well. He he's causing some damage. He's he's affecting the the opposition, even if he's maybe a half step away still and not quite finishing plays. He he's right there, and, and I think he's someone who during the bye week, Pruitt keeps talking about. Sometimes guys get ready at different times and yada yada yada. I think this could be a time where where he gets ready. Uh, I think you could see him a lot, and Tennessee needs that. I've said that before. Tennessee can't just have Taylor coming off the edge. It needs somebody from the other edge to be disruptive in order to free up Taylor to do more stuff and not just be, you know, focused on and doubled and chipped and all those things. So that is one thing that I think very, very much could happen. Uh, I'm really interested to see um, what, if anything, happens with Jameer Johnson after the break, to be honest with you. I I, I don't know. Uh, exactly what was going on with his cleanup operation there, and did they get it done? Can he, can he get back to playing now? Um, because he's a guy who every time he's been on the field, correct me if I'm wrong, every time he's been on the field, just about he's been one of the most consistent offensive linemen they have for the past two years. So can he get in there, or is he – He's solid, but who do you put him in over? That's the problem. Well, that, I mean, I, that, that's that's a fair question because yeah. Pruitt said four of the five played winning football against and, uh, uh, at Florida. So so maybe that, that that that's one thing I see. Go ahead, Ryan. I was just saying, when you've got Darnell Wright, Trey Smith, and Wanye Morris playing three of the positions that Jameer Johnson even conceivably could play, that leaves essentially Karon Calvert as the only guy you could take out probably to put Johnson in right now. Because I don't think they're taking out Morris or Wright unless one of those guys plays their way out, and you're not taking out Trey Smith. So, I I, I don't know. It's the the scenario that we thought before the season needed to unfold to maybe block Jameer Johnson has kind of played out that way. So it is a tough position for him. You know, one thing that I'll say about Tennessee before we step out of here, and I'll I'll probably mention this more during the the Thursday podcast this week. But here's one thing: if you're looking for for something that that Tennessee, if you want to feel good about something. If you're just like, man, just give me something. I need something. Here's something. Georgia does not intimidate Tennessee the way that Alabama and Florida intimidate Tennessee. And I'm talking historically here. You're talking Tennessee, like last year Pruitt 
was as angry after the um, Georgia game as he was at any point during the season. He was furious because he he thought because of the 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 familiarity there between what they do and what Georgia does, they thought that they had some things they could expose, and and they did. They just in the end made a couple mistakes, ran out of steam. Georgia had more talent, pulled through, and, and won comfortably in the fourth quarter. But he was furious after that game. Well, he, because no one, and this is from the players too. I don't know if it's because so many of them are from. Georgia and they know these guys so they know they can compete against them I don't know what it is but they just Tennessee seems to historically answer the bell against Georgia at a higher rate than it does against the other big boys mm-hmm. on the schedule it just does I think it just does familiarity among the players I think plays into that a little bit uh, you got a lot of guys on Tennessee's roster obviously that are from Georgia um, interesting last uh, to hear Jeremy Pruitt talk a little bit Monday about why he was sort of emotional after last year's game sort of being proud of his team and the way they had competed uh that that was an interesting moment last year and i believe that was right before tennessee's open date right they, they had georgia and then the open date and then they went to auburn and, and pulled off that upset I I think. So. so so that you wouldn't say that was a turning point but pruitt sort of getting emotional at his at his team kind of showing that type of effort um yeah it it, it sort of led to i think some of tennessee's success in the weeks after that so um yeah, we'll see if they get another inspired effort out of this team coming out of the open day. It's at least something to keep in mind because, like you said, West Tennessee has been more on a level playing field with uh, with Georgia in, in some recent years. And Georgia's not really, for as good as they are, I think they've not played – they've not put up a ton of style points so far. I'll say that. They haven't really – they've, blo- kind of, they've just kind of – except for the Notre Dame game, which was which was really tight, they've just kind of methodically taken care of things. It, like Vanderbilt was, what, 30-6? to six. I mean, they're not yeah. they're not blowing out teams like – uh, like Alabama's been doing or anything. So it's it's a game that could be within reach if Tennessee plays pretty well. I'm not saying they're going to keep it close, but it could be at least a, a second-half game if Tennessee can play up to, to what it's capable of doing. Well, w- when you have the depth issues Tennessee has, every bye week is huge because it allows you to get guys fresh and you can almost start like you're going into another season opener but this time Tennessee should be a little healthier than it was going into the season opener. So I, I, I think that is that is something, if you are a, a Tennessee fan and you want to feel something good, that's the other thing you can, you can feel about this game, is that the bye week will mean a lot more probably for Tennessee than it will for Georgia because every guy Tennessee can get healthy helps a lot. So, I, I mean, I think that's... That's that's something uh, that is big. Anything else, guys, from the bye week? Anything that that, that caught your that caught your eye? Have a good weekend. Uh, well, they, I mean, they're just short on depth at inside linebacker. I mean, it's it was it was covered last week, but after after losing Shannon Reed and and Will Ignat, they they definitely need to keep Daniel Batuli and Henry Toto healthy. They are scary thin there. Jeremy Banks has been banged up. Uh, Pruitt clarified that he you know he was not moving around well at all last week yeah he was not and that's because he he injured his ankle but he was gunned out the thursday before the florida game so we'll we'll see what stat what his sort of health is i would we know he's a tough kid yeah i, w- I wouldn't guess he'll be 100 percent this week but i'm sure he'll be available on some level so we'll, we'll see how how close to 100 percent he can be this week but that beyond banks so, it's a lot of untested guys so that means that that J.J. Peterson then I mean, the becomes fourth, the next guy The fourth in one in probably is Peterson, unless you go with the experienced guy that's not really played, Solon Page. Georgia native, Georgia natives, Solon Page, and and J.J. Peterson, right? Yeah. So how about how about that could be a plot twist? Yeah. Breakout game, breakout game against and, their home state team. How about them and apples? And how about them apples? And eventually you hope Aaron Beasley can get ready, but he's just sort of settling into his also, third, third, posi- yeah, third position, though, and and four months in the program. So that, that's a tough one. I, I don't know that he'll be ready to play Saturday beyond, um, you know, a specialist role, maybe a nickel and dime packages, but that's pretty much your depth at inside linebacker. So they, they need to stay healthy at that position. And that's uh, beyond Saturday. Obviously that's something to keep an eye on the rest of the season. I think that's a fair place to leave it. Thanks guys for tuning in. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday morning. Uh, if not before that, if there's any breaking news, we'll get to that. Uh, they're still overdue a podcast for Ramey and I talking about hoops. We're going to do that because practice gets underway this week. Things are, I think it's already underway. Well, yeah, but I mean, like, I think we might talk to some guys or whatever, maybe at some point this week. So they've been getting underway. They've been working out the whole time. So we'll have news on all of that. Uh, there's tons of stuff 
that we'll have on the website throughout the week. You can find all of us on social media. Uh, I'm Wes Rucker, 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown's P. Brown, 24-7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan, 24-7 on Twitter. And Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. You can also find all of us at twitter.com slash govals247 and facebook.com slash govals247, which Ramey does an excellent job of running. Or if you want to get your, your water straight from the hose, you can go to GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets. Right now, 30% off annual subscription. This is a good time to get in. There's basketball news going on. Ramey's been doing a good job getting everybody ramped up for that. Uh, football, obviously, it's they are what they are, but they're working on it. Recruiting never stops. Uh, women's basketball, Lady Vols and her new coach also starting up. Maria Cornelius has all that stuff covered. Uh, baseball, too. Uh, beat doubleheader, beat Clemson. This is a national power. Swept them in a doubleheader for their fall kind of World Series deal there. So lots of stuff going on, and we will have all of that for you at Go Balls 24-7. A lot of people cover Tennessee. A lot of people cover Tennessee well. Nobody covers Tennessee better than us, period. Pat, any final thoughts? Yeah, Braves are going to just smoke the Cardinals. Amen.